When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. City of Chronicles is a Bayer Chronicles production. <laughs> direttamente a Qatar 2022 bisognerà ancora aspettare aspettare il mese di marzo e finisce con la tristezza con i giocatori azzurri che escono dal campo a testa bassa è finita 0 a 0 la Svizzera va direttamente ai mondiali noi con la, quella qualificazione dovremo ancora faticosamente conquistarcela Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Serie A Chronicles I don't even know how to start this uh, this podcast I'm trying to be upbeat uh, Mina Rizuki who is with me as <laughs> ever but we're recording this just after watching Italy fail to beat Northern Ireland fail to qualify for the World Cup in Qatar in 2022 um, they have still got one path in they've got the playoff path Roberto Mancini before the game was saying there's always the resets, there's always the reset exam, which is the uh, the playoffs. Um, but it's hard to be our usual upbeat selves. But nevertheless, here we are. Mina, I, I don't know how else I can start this than, uh, than just to ask what your experience was this evening of watching Italy fail again to win a game of football um, away in Northern Ireland. Well, I spent most of it messaging our group on the podcast and <laughs> discussing just, just anything that would distract me. I mean, half the time, all I could hear is Kamaka's on and so-and-so is on and Belotti's come on and he's gone off. And There was and some I'm talk about hiding behind a sofa. Yes. I, uh, it, it, this is the thing. It's like, it's like you just knew this was going to happen. I, I mean, here it is, you know, champions of Europe, Italy, they're all about trolling everyone. Yeah, we won the Euro, Euros, blah, blah, blah. It's all forgotten that we didn't qualify. And there was this part in all of us, all of us that just sort of knew that if it fell down to this, that it was somehow going to be dramatic and somehow we were going to be in another playoff. And my God, I mean, when you look at the names, 
And, and when you know it's that 12 teams in the playoffs and only three go to the World Cup, there is a little part of me that I'm going to, I'm not going to lie, that died. So yeah, I was willing to just, I don't know, chat on Twitter, like start internet dating. <laughs> I just did not want to watch this game. Like I was mostly just listening to it or reading the comments because I actually couldn't look. And and the one time I did look, I'm like, that was so close. And then Donnarumma in the middle of nowhere. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm done with this. Like just for the sake of my mental health, like for the sake of physical health here too. Why? Why do we have to go through this, Nikki? I haven't quite sort of um, come to terms with it yet, I think. I think maybe I did have a little bit of the um, Roberto Mancini. It's still the resets. We're not out yet in my head. But the more I look at the playoff, as you said, so it's it's not, I don't know if everyone's even familiar with this. I think a lot of people haven't really been paying attention to the qualifying structure of the World Cup because people don't until they're suddenly thrust into um, the situation it's it's not like in previous years. So in the previous World Cup, Italy had a two-legged playoff with Sweden to decide if they were going to the World Cup or not. Now what you have is a semi-final and a final. So Italy, as one of the top seeds, will be paired with one of the unseeded teams in the semi-final. But then in the final, and there are three sort of mini brackets, basically, of four teams, they will play whoever won the corresponding semi-final. So at that point, it could be it's assuming that Italy can win a semi-final, which even against an unseeded team, we should not take for granted right Don't now. But if they did, <laughs> if they did, it could be a Portugal, um, it could be a Scotland, it could be uh, a Sweden, in case that name is needed to send shivers back down Italian spines. It's just so dismal, Mina. It's it's so dismal, and I think for me, like there's there's a need to separate out what's happened, right? So. I can be okay with, um, well, it's one thing to finish behind Switzerland, who are not uh, uh, some joke team. Switzerland knocked France out of the Euros, the actual Euros, uh, not qualifying, the actual Euros not many months ago, who took Spain to penalty at those same Euros. They're a serious team. It's one thing to not be able to score in a one-off game away to Northern Ireland, who haven't conceded a goal at home all through qualifying. I can compartmentalise those two things. What I can't compartmentalise is that Italy have not won seven of their last nine games they failed to win in 90 minutes. They've only won two of their last nine matches inside 90 minutes. And that, to me, is big, big, big problems for a team that now has to go and win uh, two playoff games to get it to World Cup. Yeah, I think that's the issue. I think that we can talk about the fact that this was a horrible game, but... To be honest, coming into a final like this match with so much pressure riding on it and asking them to score two goals against Northern Ireland, who, like you said, haven't conceded throughout qualifiers. When you know Switzerland are at home and playing Bulgaria, another team Italy should have defeated when they played them at home. Because yeah. let's be honest, they are just not a very good team, you know? I, I know like we can look at this Northern Ireland one, but it was a mishmash. Like, you know, this it was, you know, Italy dominating it, what, 66% percentage in the first half, overall, like over 70% of the game. So many more completed passes. Really few good chances, though. Really few yeah. good chances. Yeah. Northern Ireland probably had the best two. <laughs> yeah. And, mm. but, you know, these, this doesn't matter. And this game, it shouldn't have been decided in this game. 
I had a lot of question marks on the way I think that Switzerland was handled, um, at least like the choices that were made and how that, that match was started and the decision to play Belotti and Keza up front when I think Belarzi should have started. I, I have like lots of things that I really disliked about the way that that game was handled. And of course, the discussion is Jorginho and penalties. But more for me, Jorginho's performances in general recently, you know, there's a lot of players that I think that I would have loved to have Lorenzo Pellegrini. I really feel like, you know, in these types of matches, his creativity, his way of playing the game would have just made a, a little bit of a difference. I, the fullback situation is a disaster for me because I know Di Lorenzo scored the goal against Switzerland, but my God, had you seen a, a fullback under more pressure in the, in the early, especially in the early stages against Switzerland, I thought I, it was a horror show for me, you know? So, <clears throat> there's, you know, you look at the squad and you think, God, they won the Euros, you know? But sometimes you look at them and you can see, like, there's just not a centre forward that can score a goal. You know, and they, have, they haven't. We've scored our goals through pretty much anyone else but a centre forward, you know? And I'm not counting Lithuania. I don't know what, the, what that was, you know? But there are just so many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it is, it is like I am, I'm worried a little bit about. Uh, look, I know this is going to sound crazy because we won, we won against England, but I hated the way Mancini handled that match. And, 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 and I hated the fact that I had to rely on substitutions and basically Southgate's inability in to affect through substitutions that won it for Italy through penalties in the end. But there are question marks that I have. And the way that they started that match when they were under pressure from the likes of Luke Shaw is exactly the way they started the match against another physically fit, good, dynamic, vertical team in Switzerland. It's like, are you not learning your mistakes here? This is what's bothering me. People love to talk about, oh, how can you uh, still rely on Giorgio Chiellini and Leonardo Bonucci? Who do you want me to rely on exactly? Bastoni, Zinjigo, Rugani? Who, who, who is that? Romagnoli? You know? If you have a great centre-back that's being ignored, then bring him up. Because right now I can't really, I don't know which centre-back that you think that should be playing ahead right now of those two. And Kalini's not playing. I know Echerpi's not great, but Bastoni's not available. So who do you want? Unless you can provide me with a centre-back that's worth it. This is a stupid argument that people continue to have. Youth is not going to always win you World Cup. Sometimes it's nice to have a mix. And all of a sudden, I don't know why that's become the talking point. The talking point that we have to discuss is A, should Jorginho win the World Cup? B, should he be taking penalties when the World Cup, sorry, win the Ballon d'Or? <laughs> yeah. Should he be taking penalties? I'd love him to win the World Cup. Let's all win the World yeah. Cup. <laughs> Why did Giampiero Ventura announce his resignation as retirement <laughs> on the day? Like, are you just trying to troll us? Yeah. Like, go away. Yeah. I swear, Ventura, it's like you're just trying to be spoken about in any way, shape or form at this point. And Mancini, again, why are you always starting with two finalizers? You need two ball players and one final. Chiesa cannot play alongside the center board. You have to know that from having played against England. You knew your changes made the difference. It's Berardi and Senior and Chiesa. Or it's Immobile, Berardi and Insignia. But it's not Chiesa and Berardi, or Be uh, sorry, and uh, Belotti or Immobile. You have to have two ball players up front alongside a dynamic point. Anyway, that's that's my rant over. You go for it now. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like I I have to hold my own hands up on the Jorginho thing. I was all aboard the Jorginho Ballon d'Or 
um, conversation. But in the last two months, it's been all Jorginho ballooning the ball, unfortunately, not um, anything to cheer about. I mean, this is this is three penalties in a row now he's missed. Um, I mm. think there should have been real questions asked about whether he should be still taking penalties against anyone after he missed against Switzerland, having already missed in the shootout final against England, but especially against Jan Sommer. Because if you go back and watch the first, so the first time Italy played Switzerland in the group and Jorginho misses a penalty that stops Italy from winning the game and Sommer saves it. And that was when Jorginho was still doing his little hop and Sommer's brilliant on it. Sommer body fakes one way and he's obviously selling to Jorginho, I'm going this way, so you do your hop and then I'll go the other way. And it works. And I just can't believe that that wasn't in Jorginho's head as he steps up and skies this penalty. So there's no way he should have been taking that penalty. And I say that with so much love for him, so much sort of wanting him to be celebrated for what he did in the Euros. And there's this part of me that is like, oh, the news cycle is so fast, Mina. It's punishing. I mean, all these things you're sort of saying about um, the attack, about the problems, I'm there going, yes, yes. And I'm going, in my notes here, I've got written down from Gazetta this week. So before the Northern Ireland game, Italy Ooh. scored 102 goals in 45 games under Mancini. The average goals per game is second only to Pozzo's team So uh, for Italy. So this is a historically brilliant attacking Italy team that suddenly can't score goals. It's not like they've always been like this. And Jorginho has had a brilliant year. It's just that the last little bit for Italy has been awful and probably will cost him a Ballon d'Or. You think so? The thing that, the question that I've actually been, the question that I've been struggling with in the last sort of half an hour is if you had told me before the start of the Euros, you're going to win the Euros, you get to enjoy Italy winning the Euros. But the trade-off for that is you don't qualify for a World Cup. Would I have taken it? And I, I, I'm really struggling with this because honestly, it's such an evil question, right? Because look, here's the truth. I think at the end of life, when you sort of look back on all your footballing memories, you remember the highs and there's nothing that's as high as winning these tournaments, right? So the tournaments are the things you remember. But in the moment, missing out on the World Cup four years ago was awful. The whole world is having a party when the World Cup is on and you're not invited. And it's awful. Mm. It's a horrible, horrible feeling to have that happen. And our producer, Simon, actually pointed something out that I hadn't really put together in my head before um, we started, which is the last knockout game that Italy played at a World Cup was a 2006 World Cup final. That's crazy. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. You're right. It's crazy. And it's like all of these, you know, again, the World Cup is, is the best of the best. I bloody love the World Cup. It's just football at its most sort of... I wouldn't worry too bad. It's going to be every two years. Then we have plenty of opportunities going ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can you imagine if Italy failed to qualify, they're going to get all aboard that wagon, aren't they? You're going to see all of the Italian football bigwigs suddenly <laughs> throwing themselves into. Maybe maybe that could be Agnelli's thing, new thing. Maybe now that Agnelli's Super League hasn't worked out. Yeah, that's going to be his thing. Like, let's jump on this bandwagon. There's a, there's, a, there's a full 10 years, you know, right now of Italy not qualifying for the World Cup. You know, that, that's like, that's two in a yeah. row. So you're saying that you would trade two of these 
for that Euro win? I'm saying it's a really hard conversation. It's an interesting one because I don't know whether you would, but that could be something that, you know, you as listeners could take part in. Like if we say to you, you can't qualify for two World Cups. I'd be interested to know what people think about that. Yeah. Don't qualify for two World Cups, but you win the Euros. You know, what What would you take? Because it's true. What's the point of qualifying for World Cups if you're knocked out? It, it must be really interesting, Mina, as well. It's like, because I have a perspective on that as a spoiled Italian who in my lifetime has already seen Italy win a World Cup and who... Uh, knows that Italy won three World Cups before that. But if if it was just my English family even, who England won one World Cup ever, and mm. that was 66, so lots of my relatives didn't see it. I feel like if you told them you can win something, you can actually win something though, I wonder how the perspective would be different. I would still think, I think I still take the Euro trophy and not qualify for two World Cups, you know, even though I just find it... yeah painful that I've spent a decade of my life not seeing Italy in the World Cup you know um it's horrible it's like a Sophie's choice like it's horrible it, it, but yeah it's, especially yeah, because it's... my youth or as a baby what I remembered I, I'm not going to remember some like 19 1990 very well but it is like 94 when I'm sleeping during the day so my parents don't let me stay up at night and watch you know, watch Italy take on Brazil and that was like fascinating for me. Like, so it's, it's, it's sad when you think that there is a whole world party and it's the biggest branding of football and the whole world's watching and you're facing Argentina and you're facing Brazil and you're facing rather than the, you know, the usual suspects that you face. But I do want to point, um, I do want to go back to this thing about Jorginho. Like, you know, we, I was, I was going to say, like, you're saying that this, there is a potential that this is going to cost him. Um, he did try to change the way that he took his penalties, I think because he's a little bit affected by what happened with him in summer and that little, you know, like that kick that he does. But it seems to be something that he's internalized and he's not getting over the trauma. But here's the thing, if it's not him, I'm not going to really want Insignia, to be honest, to be taking it because to me he's not somebody who has ice-cold veins, you know? So <laughs> is it Berardi? Is it Bonucci? Is it... Anyone else that you can think of? And how do you turn around to Jorginho and say, you know what, maybe just leave it for us, you know, like and see what happens in the future. How do you have that conversation with him without destroying his confidence? You know what I mean? Because I feel like I feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like it's like a parallel with the last conversation. It's another cursed question. Like you get to win two shootouts, but then you never score a penalty again. Would you, would you say you <laughs> 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 It feels like that's what happened. Like Italy, like Italy I still not take had it. as cursed a history. Yeah, like Italy have not has had as cursed a history as England when it comes to penalty shootouts, but they've had a pretty cursed history with penalty shootouts. So winning yeah. two of the Euros was pretty big. But do you know, Mina? I think that's such an interesting question. I think penalties are still to me this great fascination because all of the scientists on the internet, all of the sort of um the people who love the data would love to sort of go. It's not a luxury, you know, you can prepare for penalties, you can prepare for penalties, and that's all true. But whenever I see the, the conversation turn to the next infallible penalty taker, because for ages, I remember even writing articles about it, Mario Balotelli was the infallible penalty taker. He never missed. And everyone would say, oh, even in training, he never misses. And then, and then they do. And then suddenly they're not infallible anymore. And I think that confidence thing is so much the biggest part of it. 
And actually, the name that came into my head, rightly or wrongly, because he doesn't really take many penalties, but Federico Chiesa is the player who I feel like believes in himself right now. He's the one I'd say, you know what? Like, I think you're cocksure enough that you're going to walk up there and 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 do it. I don't know. That's the vibe I get of him. Firstly, I think, like, for me, from a young age, I thought Federico Chiesa is Italy's hope for a Ballon d'Or. Yeah, like, he is sublime. yeah. What I love about him is this determination to always score a goal. But his desperation sometimes reminds me of Zaza. <laughs> oh, God. And then it don't, brings me back. Don't. <laughs> then it brings me back to that penalty game. <laughs> yeah. And I just think because Keza wants so much that I don't want him to be the one who kicks the penalty because I think he's so invested <laughs> like I Balotelli I feel yeah infallible because Balotelli I just never felt like cared enough about the sport like for him this was also like it was almost beneath him <laughs> you know like oh, like a bit like Zlatan sometimes puts on this act as well you know although he misses his penalties but you know what I mean I need somebody who is somebody who just you're right it is somebody who has to have confidence in themselves a little bit like Bonucci a little bit like Keza but also not feel like it's the end all and be all of life like Pirlo is ideal right because he has that yeah so Bonucci was the name uh, again our producer Simon said Bonucci's name before we started and actually I think Bonucci would not be a terrible shout yeah. I think Bonucci has been around enough blocks and has enough of a uh oh god I mean he's got his whole He's got his whole headcanon about being a warrior that he worked on with his special personal trainer yeah. who would punch him in the cellar. And I mean, that's a whole story we can get into another day. <laughs> but, um, you know, he he does he does have his, his swagger, doesn't he? So, Okay, so what do you think about Mancini's choices? What do I think about Mancini's choices? I mean, yeah, look, um, he hasn't sussed out this attack and it's a pretty big problem at this point. It's kind of hard to unpick how some things worked so well at the Euros that didn't work, haven't worked since. I mean, look, we can all point to Spinazzola and say Spinazzola being injured. Actually, there's a pretty clean demarcation in sort of terms of pre-Spinazzola injury and post-Spinazzola injury, Italy results, um, because yeah. post-injury, there was a lot of getting through on penalties. But if your whole system was reliant on a single fullback, then we've got a problem. You know what I mean? You've got you've got um, some coaching issues if you can't evolve around uh, one player. I, I'm not. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not going to throw Mancini under the bus after the summer he's had. I'm not going to be that person. No. If you want to do that, you can do it. I'm not going to do it. But I, I do think he's he has really not sussed out how to make this attack work in certain kinds of games. It feels like at the Euros, they came into the tournament ready to blow the doors off people and they did. Then through the knockout stages, you're playing teams with a certain amount of ambition. You're playing teams that are willing to play certain games with you. In this qualifying campaign, when you're playing Bulgaria, when you're playing Northern Ireland, when you're playing even Switzerland, you're playing teams that are going to try to neutralise you first. And I feel like this is all through my life with football, a thing that I see over and over again. Teams that want to be what Mancini wants Italy to be, possession teams, have to be really good to know how to break down teams that just want to say, okay, you have the ball, do something with it. And 
it's definitely now what I need to see from Mancini is, okay, fix it. Like you had this big idea. Where's the small ideas that make the big idea work? Because you you haven't found them. Again, I can live with a draw against Northern Ireland. I can live with individually not beating Switzerland. But when you fail to beat Switzerland twice, when you fail to beat Bulgaria, when you fail to beat Northern Ireland on top, where are your solutions? Where are your answers? I don't think I have them. I can say things. I would like to see Federico Chiesa. If you're going to do the false nine thing, if you're going to do it, I would rather see Chiesa in there than in senior. That's my opinion. So I can give you that as my opinion. But I don't think that's really? the okay. click your fingers and fix it answer either. I think it's more complicated than that. And that is where Mancini, who after the Euros, I was ready to anoint best manager in the universe. That's where he needs to find some answers beyond just saying, look, the answer's just having fun together. Yeah, I know. I was going to say there's always an element of luck when you play, obviously, any type of football game. Um, and I do think that Italy were somewhat blessed to go through two penalty shootouts. You know, I think the best teams for me are always the sides that are tactically versatile. So that can play an array of different ways that can keep possession, but also be a little bit dynamic. I know that everybody... If you do have a philosophy of football and you do have a style of football, then it better be Barcelona's one perfect per plan A, because otherwise you're probably going to need a plan B. And I don't know what the plan B is, very honestly speaking. Yeah. So I think a lot of the issues that he's facing is sometimes what Manchester City face, and they are the best team at keeping possession. When you do come up against sides and you don't like, you know, it, I think this team works best without a forward. Even though I, I feel like Immobile has gone way too much criticism for what he's trying to do. I agree. But I like I like this whole false nine and all of this. I, I do enjoy it, but it, it needs to be perfected. And you do need to have better fullbacks. And so it is reliant a lot on the chemistry between, you know, your winger and your fullback. And then when you ha- when you look at Di Lorenzo and Emerson, I don't think they're bad fullbacks by any stretch of the imagination, but it's almost like a little bit like going from Ashraf Hakiri, Hakimi to Denzel Dumfries. It's just that there's a drop off there, you know? So I, there isn't, there isn't that much alternative. So your planning needs to be really good. And the, what you've lost in what you had in the Euros and the run up to the Euros is the element of surprise. No one imagined Italy to be so good in playing this possession style of football because yeah. they hadn't historically ever done it. Great point. So it was always surprising, you know? And now it's like, okay, well, now we know what Italy are about. And so we're just going to shut them down. And we know Keyes is their dynamic point and their vertical point. So we'll try to just keep him out. And we know that this is what Berati tries to do. This is what Jorginho tries to do. Actually, they don't like physical and pressing and this. And then they'll just start to double down on those things that they know have worked and have stifled. And so you need to come up with the element of surprise, which means either really making your plan A perfect or having a plan B. Mm -hmm. And this is what worries me. It is a little bit like there are things that happen in the game. For example, Barella was really suffering against Switzerland. Take him off, you know, bring on Tonali earlier, but then he took off Locatelli instead. And I mean, Barella did come off it, but for me, that just changed that quicker. Like we need to be a little bit more dynamic in how we, we look at this match, you know, start... I love that he's given you the chance. I love the style of football there. But I, I remember so well, like when they talked about Jim, Germany winning the World Cup, the most important thing that they needed to work on is having a plan A, which is possession phase and what to do when they don't have the ball. And it's 
being able to come up with alternatives. It didn't serve Germany very well, and they didn't really make it um, any, you know, anything afterwards. You know, they pretty much lost everything after that. But, but it is about having alternatives because you are now going to face sides, especially if you're facing Sweden. If you're going to be facing, you know, any of these smaller sides, they are Scotland in the playoffs. That's what they're going to do. They're going to look at what Northern Ireland have done and try to do exactly the same thing. And it upsets me that physicality still gets the better of us, you know? I, I think that's a really good point about the fact that other teams are no longer surprised by Italy. I think people really were surprised by Italy at the beginning of the Euros. Um, I think when you talk about Pan Bs, it's worth pointing out the Italy, you know, Switzerland game that was played on uh, Friday. Switzerland were missing half their team. Switzerland were missing Juba, were missing Embolo, yeah. were missing Alvedi. So they had to come up with a plan B and they managed it. Um, and yeah, yeah Mancini... Um, does need to show that he can he can find more answers at this point he's got he's down to his last his last route this is the last way we can get in now is to, to win the playoff and you've got a limited window in which to suss it I, there is a there's, there's a problem of 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 the reality of, of the talent available to you i i don't believe in andrea Bellotti in an italy shirt i want to i i, I no, there's things i like about him as a football player um but you can't conjure up Christian Vieri, who you want, right? You want Christian Vieri to lead the line for you and everything's perfect. Um, Immobile is not Christian Vieri. He's a completely different type of centre forward. I actually think the work that Immobile does is hugely underrated. I think when people... I so agree. ...are so obsessed about his goal scoring numbers for the national team, they miss how much work he does. And I think in the beginning of the Euros, he did so much work for the team. And tonight I would have had him in that team in a heartbeat if I could. Me too. So I would. Re- that would be my first choice still at number nine is Immobile because I don't think you've got a better option. So you you can't imagine players that that that, that aren't there. Um, you know, there's 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 a point where you're sort of so desperate for a number nine. You're thinking, God, I miss the days of Graziano Pelli being able to just be be that sort of robustative <laughs> uh, target man. And Italy, Italy don't really have that. Italy don't have that target man. And it would be great if they did, but they don't exist right now. You know. I don't think it would be helpful to force the issue with Raspadori either. I, I don't think he's played that well so far this season either. So try to work with what you've got. You have got all these great, not quite nines, all these great wide players. I, I actually felt like Berardi was one of the better players against Northern Ireland. I like Berardi. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mancini needs to find a new solution. I don't know how much more I can say on this game or on this situation. I'm sad about it, but I'm trying not to be despondent because... We've still got the playoffs and let's see what we get to. Mina, was there anything else you were burning inside you about this um, World Cup qualifying situation? If Allegri can figure out how to make Keiser a striker, then just maybe that will help. <laughs> That's all I have to say. It would help if you got on it, wouldn't it? Someone drop Max a line and say, listen, all of this nonsense where you're trying to tell Keiser that he needs to do different things to beat Dayuva. Just let him play so we can fix this issue. Now I've got good news for everyone. You so enjoyed Mina's Limerick last week. We got so many <laughs> appreciations of Mina and her Limerick writing that we've let it do it again. <laughs> You've let me, have you? <laughs> we've let you. We're very kind like that. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Simon. Can I can I just tell you that they're sitting there like beating me into this? Yeah, so don't talk about letting permission. Yeah, 
Every day is, have you read the limerick yet? <laughs> Mina, who wrote in her rider for this show, she wanted only pink M&Ms and she wanted to be able to write a limerick <laughs> and read it on air. That's what was her went, I'm sure. And where are the pink M&Ms, Nikki? <laughs> Ask producer Simon, it's nice to do with me. Because I can only see yellow right now, okay? So... <laughs> Passing the buck. <laughs> and this is how uh-huh. we got to only me writing the limerick. Is that not good? <laughs> I've never promised to write a, licorice, a limerick because unlike you, Mina, I never said on air that I wanted to be a rap star when I was younger. So <laughs> take it away with your homage to our listeners. This is for, in response to Ajit Paul Mangad, who said at the time, e- Exceedingly happy to support the return, in quotation marks, of one of my favorite podcasts. Always eager to support strong female voices. More voices like yours are definitely needed in sports media. I am subscribed and look forward to listening all season long, and I hope for years to come. Well, that's, you know, that's hoping that I'm I'm still doing this job and I haven't managed to land myself a contract and Nikki will then be my manager, Dekta and Gold Chains. Yes. My favorite podcast, exceedingly happy to support the return. Your support, Diagent Paul, we are continually desperate to earn. In need of strong female voices in football media, you say, the fact you are subscribed and listening makes our day. From Mina's witchy ways to Nikki's storytelling displays, they like to have fun, but it's all for the fans, for you always. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Ta-da! I feel like this one is disappointing when you had all the hormones and the you know, trolling from last week. <laughs> but like, you see, this is what happens when you leave nice comments. Maybe good. we need comments that are just a little bit more provocative. So this can be a little bit task for you guys, you know. No, no, that doesn't mean troll us. Please don't, because I get very, like, hurt, you know. But maybe... Don't troll us. Maybe something that will have me uh, wanting to pick a fight with you guys. Because, like, you know, now that we don't have Gab on, it's quite difficult to pick fights with Nikki. She's being also oh, so awfully sweet these days. Ah, oh, it's a lie. Um, <laughs> I um, think this is officially the most chaotic segment in the history of Sarah Chronicles. We're a young podcast, so, you know, we've got time to get more chaotic yet. Um, but uh, just to say, first of all, uh, thank you for the Limerick Wiener. That was lovely. Thank you um, for the email as well, Ajit. And um, it's always lovely to hear from all of you. It's uh, also, we super, super appreciate um, the contributions that you guys have made as a supporters to helping us get this show off the ground and get things going. You can make a one-off contribution via seriachronicles.com forward slash supporter. We are still looking into our Patreon options and we will we'll get back to you once we've got a plan on that. But yes, if you want to support the show right now, that is the way to do it. Mina, yes. let's talk about football again. Um, we are heading into the Christmas run-in. We are six weeks. God, is it not even six weeks of Christmas? Syria has a winter break. Of course, the winter breaks get shorter and shorter. And with COVID and uh, uh, early World Cup coming up, it's going to be even shorter. COVID, COVID, COVID. I, I alternate. I can't even tell you. Um, it's going to be an even shorter winter break this year. It feels like it's about two days long what they've scheduled for the winter break, but there is a winter break. And um, I think that makes quite a nice framing for us as we head into this winter run. 
from here to Christmas, if there's one storyline that you're most excited to think about from here to Christmas, what's the Serie A team or manager or player who you're most, you most want to see something from, from here to Christmas? Well, this is quite a difficult one, to be honest with you, because I have so much to say on so many ones. Like, I'm a little bit disappointed in Vincenzo Italiano because I don't know, it just started off so well and then it sort of didn't end as well, you know. I don't know whether I'm, I'm, I was expecting Fiorentina to win the title with him as coach and I've demanded too much from this man and he's been doing a great job. So, But it's almost like he started so well that I just expected them to continue playing so on and they just kind of look a little bit isolated in attack and not as forthcoming and then it was, you know, that lost to Spezia. Roma and Mourinho, wow, I thought that was going to last a little bit longer. Um, but Mourinho, you know, he's had Totti and Daniele De Rossi come out. And I thought that was interesting, right? Like how they've come out in support of him and, and talked about, you know, the toxic environment. Not actually saying it, but just let's not scare off this coach and let's give him the time to work. Yeah, I wonder whether, I wonder sometimes whether with Mourinho we ever discuss the present or whether we always refer to sort of the past, you know? And it's always like looked at Mourinho as, oh, you know, this was the guy that won the mm. treble. This was the guy that did wonders. And, you know, let's, let's be honest, Manchester United were always terrible and he at least got them to, you know, win the Europa League and all of this business. But, you know, it can be correct that he can be one of the best managers, but can also be correct to say he's made a few bad choices or he's not doing things the way that we expected. You can, you know, still criticize a wonderful coach while acknowledging that he's a wonderful coach. And, and having faith in the fact that he can actually, you know, build this up. Um, Spezia, I'm a little bit shocked about, you know. I thought they would be really terrible under Tiago Monta, but they're actually not. And, yeah, what, what can we say? Sassuolo, man, I made so much fun of Deserbi, but Dionisi is not doing the job, is he? He's not. It's almost like Deserbi was a good manager all along, Mina. And yeah, let's you, see, let's see. Unfair, I mean, he's doing it. That's a good job at Shakhtar. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I have a lot of time for Deserbi. I think he did some things wonderfully. I I still give him Deserbi a huge amount of credit for um, Berardi's evolution as a footballer. I think he really um, moved on. And I think um, Berardi is probably one of the things I'm most curious about. What do you think of Sassuolo under Dionisi? Like, do you think they've taken a step back? Yeah, I do. I think it's not all his fault. Um, you say goodbye to Locatelli and you say goodbye to a pretty important player. But I think there's, um, and you know, you could argue as well, they've lost Chicho Caputo from yeah. last season, um, I suppose as well, who was at a certain point doing great things. I I felt like that team had um, had a real swagger and Deserbi had a real uh, sense of, of who they were. And I, I understand your problems with it. It was... Um, absolutely reckless football some of the time <laughs> frankly it was yeah sure we'll just try to do things we're not really capable of and give the ball away but they they knew who they were and I'm not sure that they do know who they are under DNAC and, and for me that um that is um a problem and you know we, we always get in these conversations that we mean about pragmatists and idealists I don't think you have to be an idealist to know who you are yeah. I think being a pragmatist can be knowing yeah. who you are but I just don't think that's what I have that right now um I think inevitably when it gets to this time of year where again just over a month out from Christmas the question that pops into my mind is 
who is going to eat their panettone? So who's going to still be there um, at Christmas? It's the sort of famous Italian journalistic way of talking about managers because um, panettone is a famous Christmas cake in Italy and in Milan in particular. And uh, who will get to um, to, to still be in the job and have it? And I've been going through like, the top teams in Serie A and, and asking myself if there's any of them who I think won't. Obviously, at the very top, you're not worried about Pioli, you're not worried about um, Svaletti, you're not worried about Inzaghi, uh, you're not worried about Gasparini. But then you get to a few managers who you think, it's worth asking the question. Really? Is there any chance, Mina, do you think, that any of, I'm just asking the question, that any of Sari or Mourinho or Allegri, all of whom have had some difficult times in this first part of the season. Is there any chance that any of those don't make it to Christmas or is that a, a, non, a non-starter? You're shaking your head, so I think you're thinking it's a non-starter. Sadly, they want to extend his contract. I mean, for some reason, he is seen as the magical one. So despite the fact that Luis Alberto looked like he was going to start ripping his hair out, um, I think Sadi is a long-term project for Lazio, so he's going to stay regardless of the fact of some humiliating results. But they are a team that I guess have won the big matches. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do against Juventus. But I don't think that he's going anywhere. I was just going to say, I think I think the Sadi story is it, it's indicative of how much of how much of everything in Rome can be defined with a derby. I think if Sadi loses to, to Roma and has exactly the same start otherwise, people are viewing him very differently. But when you win the derby, everyone's going to be okay with you for quite do a you while. Think so? Do you think that's what it is? It's just true. Especially for Lazio, I think, more than Roma. Yeah, I do. That's interesting. You're right. Maybe it is framed around, you know, the fact that he has gotten and took a few big scalps and, of course, being the biggest in the derby. When it comes to Allegri, there's no way after everything that's happened with Mm. Zaddy and Pirlo that you're going to just give up on this coach. And especially not when you've, like, begged him to reconsider you um, over Real Madrid and that you've told him you can now be somebody who actually chooses on the transfer market. So you're a proper manager, not just a coach, and then scrap that all over again. They understand that right now they have problems to really fund what it is that he wants. He's already made it clear what he wants. Um, And I know people like to say, oh, but he chose Chesney. He has no alternative and he wanted Locatelli above everything else. So he had to make sacrifices elsewhere. And so I think they're going to stick with him. Also, because they know, like, you know, they've spoken to Fabio Capello. Capello spoke about the fact that he told Allegri not to take the job at Juventus because he would be scapegoated because it's just a mess over there. And it is a mess over there. So not don't think he's going to lose his job. Mourinho, no way, not after everything they've done to bring in this man. I mean, just the eyeballs on Roma right now is is brilliant from a, a branding perspective, you know, the bring on the drama. And, you know... <laughs> There's always going to be teething, teething problems, right? With any new coach, I I don't think he's perhaps the right one when you consider what it is that their project is. But hindsight's always twenty twenty. So I always, you know, I loved, I loved Paolo Fonseca. I loved what he was trying to do with the team. I loved that it was a young squad that was so tactically versatile that relied on technical beauty, um, and that could also play in different ways. But perhaps they didn't have the right mentality. Maybe that's something that, you know, Jose Mourinho should will and should change, but we'll see. But for me, it's 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 the Daversa at Sampdoria that we should be worried about, or it's the 
obviously Balladini has been sacked. <laughs> um, so I remember Preziosi always used to say That's, that was always that was always going to happen, done. right? Yeah. What about you? I mean, those are the ones that you think yeah, God. That one was that one was such an yeah. yeah. Who are you worried about? No, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm being provocative. I don't really think that I don't really think that any of those are, are likely to to um, to go. But I think it's I think you have to acknowledge that Juventus are eight, and you have to acknowledge that Mourinho has lost five games already this mm. season. And um, if it weren't for the fact that those two teams had basically bet the farm. That these managers probably would be in, in in worse situations, the different situations. Because with with um, Roma, it's just purely a, a financial one. I think you're you're never going to back out of that financial commitment this quickly, even if it's a disaster. Yeah. Um, with Juventus, I actually quite like how you framed it about going back to them. It's it's like when you've you know you've gone back to your um, boyfriend or girlfriend and you've begged them to come back to you and now it's like it's too embarrassing <laughs> to, be like, Listen. <laughs> to be the one turning around going oh actually this is Serie and between now and um and Christmas I'm pretty confident we'll see at least one or two more managerial changes but uh not at those clubs I don't think can I just ask you one question this is just a random question but would you swap out Roberto Mancini and make him like what job would you give him if he was to return to club football and you think that he's doing he would do a better job than what's already there? Mancini back in Serie A. Yeah. I, Mancini as a manager, obviously different story to Mancini as a footballer, but Mancini as a manager, he has this um Maurizio Sari is is like Realist to the point of quite cynical, I feel like, in the way he views the world. He's got this very sort of, um, humbug. <laughs> you know, down, down home, bit of humbug and like also like, you know, man of the people thing going on. Mancini has, and I, I think that kind of fits with Lazio, who have always been um, actually very, very effective at how they've run their club. Um, uh, Latito and Tare, in terms of keeping it on an even keel, um, drives the fans mad, but they haven't overspent. They haven't put themselves in a bad position any ever with finances really um, it, for a while. Mancini has this great vision of, of football and fun and beauty that does not fit with my image of Claudio Lutito and um, yeah, bar humbug as you just put it. Um, so I, I can't see him at Lazio. The top team's why would they change? Um, you're not changing Pioli or Spalletti or Inzaghi for him. Obviously, you know, back to Inter could be a thing. Um, although, as we're learning from being reminded rather than learning, but being reminded by Allegri going back is not always a good thing. I don't know. I don't think there is a spot in Serie A for Mancini. I think Mancini's next spot probably is somewhere in another country, I reckon. If I put you on the spot right now, Mina, who's the winter champion? Napoli. Napoli. No. I'm going to say yeah. Milan just oh, to be different. Yeah. No, I, I want to change to Milan. <gasps> May I change, please? Please, please, can I change? <laughs> May you change? Yes. But then I have to change. Oh, you know, I'll say Napoli. Okay, fine. I'm just going to be contrary. That's the point we're at. Okay. okay. Now you're just picking fights, but um, whatever. <laughs> I, I did think Milan first, but... No, would you really think? No, I think I, I actually do think Milan. I said Milan, I'll stick with it. I, I think I, I believe in their football for right now more. I think the real challenge for Milan and Napoli is going to come in the new year. But um, especially Milan, who, of course, 
were in really good shape up to Christmas last year, I think going into uh, the winter break um, and seeing if they can avoid repeating that history is pretty big. Well, we'll start to get some ideas about who's going to get the winter title this weekend because we've got some big games coming up. We've got Inter Napoli, we've got Lazio Juventus and we've got Fiorentina Milan. But we can talk about those next time, can't we, Mina? Yeah, I think so. And I think we'll have a lot to talk about because, you know, Allegri would have won 7-0. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Even I don't believe it. <laughs> but we um, <laughs> we will be back on Friday with Chronicle's Q&A mailbag show. I basically had just said that because I just want Allegri to know that there's still a fan in me and I still believe in you, even though I don't really believe in you, but you know what I mean. So yes, Nikki, we will be back on Friday with Chronicle's Q&A mailbag show. So get your questions in on Twitter at SetiaChronPod with the hashtag Chronicle's Q&A. You know what to do. We love those questions. Subscribe to the Setia Chronicle's YouTube channel for clips of the show. And honestly, you really should because there are some really fun debates, um, especially we'll, we'll, we'll upload a, a few of them for you to watch. But um, Gab really does leave us with a lot of entertaining content. You can find us on Twitter at Nikki Bandini, at Mina Rizuki, and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please support the show at sellarchronicles.com forward slash supporter. And we loved having you as our listener. Ciao for now. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.